Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier From the Depths Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 10. The Prisoners Waylon looked around at his army of editors. Get ready, he ordered. The enforcers are bound to be here soon. The crowd of disguised allies swarmed from the study, leaving Waylon, the professor, Astrid and the fake Bosey in Queensbury. Politicians, judges, local gangsters, law enforcers, Waylon said chirpily, were in every institution in the city. They won't stand a chance. As he bathed in self-satisfaction, the professor glanced across at Astrid and nodded her head. Astrid did the same. Still, said Astrid, be a shame if you put all that effort in and the enforcers don't put up a good fight, eh? She waited for Wayland to look at her, which he did so derisively. Are you expecting me to quiver in my boots? he sneered. Not now, Sunbeam, Astrid smiled, holding up the teleporter the professor had thrown to her. But you will. In time. She activated the device and disappeared. Without hesitating, Waylon threw his anomaly detector to the fake Queensbury. She'll be headed back to the factory to warn the last of Barrack's officers, he told him. Use this to trace her. It'll signal whenever she activates the teleport. His subordinate nodded and strode from the room. Waylon looked over at the professor, who to his deep frustration was displaying a broad grin. What? he demanded of her. Handy little device, that teleport of yours. Took me a good few minutes to work out how to reprogram the destination coordinates. Instantaneous travel, she mused. What a concept. A flicker of worry crossed Wayland's face. The professor spent a few precious moments enjoying it. To Wayland's surprise, she turned to the fake Bosey. You put in quite the convincing performance the other night, she conceded. A shame there'll be no chance of an encore. Bosey looked across at Wayland, clearly concerned. Waylon lifted his blaster. That's not going to change things, the professor sighed. Any moment now. Bosey's face began to ripple and distort. A faint whine of circuitry rose and fell as his disguise disappeared and his real face became visible beneath the web-like mask. What the? The unveiled editor spluttered. Waylon simply rolled his eyes in frustration. The professor could not resist confirming his thoughts. Your Marquis of Queensbury will find the factory quite deserted. Astrid had teleported right into the heart of Wayland's secret hideout beneath the docks. The remaining officers of Berwick's platoon were there to meet her, having been informed of its location before the confrontation at the Albemarle Club. The base was large but simple, two rooms and a staircase leading up to ground level. In the first room lay equipment and supplies, whilst in the second, rows of chairs had been arranged. In each of them sat a subdued figure Waylon and his editors had kidnapped and impersonated. Each wore a mask identical to the one Waylon had been wearing, and each was deep in some form of trance. One by one the enforcers had peeled back the masks and helped the waking captives to their feet, 
before guiding them out into the open air where they could begin planting a cover story. Astrid had made straight for the real Bosie, whilst the most senior of the remaining enforcers, a woman named Yarrow, tended to Oscar. When the two men stirred, Astrid frantically motioned for another of the officers to hide the real Queensbury from sight. The enforcer stepped in front of him, arms folded. All right then, your lordship, Astrid called to the awakening Bosie. Time you was moving on. Where am I? he slurred. You were quite the shindig in here last night, Astrid chuckled. I've never seen so many in one room, and I used to work in a lively old tavern, I can tell you. Bosie rubbed his eyes as Astrid pulled him to his feet and led him towards the exit. Yarrow was doing the same with Oscar. I have the most exquisite headache, Oscar groaned. I can only presume that I have been supremely well behaved. Don't you worry, Mr Wilde, Astrid called back across the first of the two subterranean rooms. There's a cab waiting for you. A most thoughtful hostess, Oscar replied, managing to stagger forwards without the assistance of Yarrow. I shall certainly be offering you my patronage again. Don't count on it, Oscar, Astrid said as they climbed the stairs. We're changing premises before the old bill cotton on. She gave him a wink and then whistled for a cab. Leaving Bosie and Oscar to clamber into the carriage, she turned back to Yarrow. Right, get Queensbury and the others rising and shining, and then torch the place. They won't be stealing any more faces. Waylon was hurling every object he could lay his hands on against the walls of the study. Ashtrays, lamps, even chairs were sent soaring across the room. Finally, he picked up a porcelain vase and launched it at the professor, who stood chortling by the fireplace. She saw it coming and caught it. Oh, now that is a fine piece, she enthused, turning it over in her hands. Are you sure you don't want it? It might make a nice little souvenir of your trip to the late 1800s. Wayland stood panting, his eyes blazing with fury. Still, the professor said in a comforting tone, they'll never be able to say you didn't put the effort in. It was quite the plan, while it lasted. To her surprise, Wayland smiled. You may have made up your mind about the agency after your run-in with Ravel, he said in a low voice while slowly advancing upon her. But if that's the case, then you are wading in deep, dark waters, Professor. Ravel told you he was the best of the best, did he? Made out he was at the forefront of timeline correction. Ravel was a joke, a hangover. Thought what we did was art, weaving stories with the fine threads of the nexus. Art has nothing to do with it. Changing time's just an equation that needs balancing. He reached into his pocket. Unlike Ravel, I know that there's always more than one way to calculate the answer. He pulled out a teleport identical to the one the professor had given Astrid. Plan A may have taken a lot of effort, he jeered, but I wouldn't have lifted a finger if I didn't have Plan B already prepared. He leaned in close to the professor now, but she refused to flinch. Oscar Wilde is mine, he whispered. Goodbye, Professor. The teleport activated, and he disappeared. The remaining editor turned and looked at the Professor. Well then, old chap, she said. Fancy a dance? Astrid and Yarrow stood before a raging fire. Astrid was casually throwing what looked like a large metal ball bearing up and down, whilst Yarrow checked Beric's tracking device, which Astrid had handed over earlier that day. Looks like the others are headed back, she reported. Should have everyone ready at the factory in about a quarter of an hour. If Wayland's right, then there'll be reinforcements on the way to tackle the editors, Astrid pointed out. 
Shouldn't be too tricky to deal with them now they've got no tech at their disposal, Yarrow reasoned. Perhaps they'll flee. It's possible, Astrid pondered, but remained unconvinced. But I doubt they'd go without trying to make up for their dented pride. They might not be undercover anymore, but they're enough of them to cause trouble if Whalen armed them before sending them out there. Then we regroup and prepare for the worst, Yarrow said defiantly. Astrid did not answer. She stood watching the flames, throwing the metal ball from hand to hand. The professor collapsed through a low table and groaned at the pain of the impact. The editor was running towards her. She'd already managed to disarm him of his blaster and drop it onto the fire, but he was proving to be particularly adept at unarmed combat. He grabbed her by the lapels and dragged her to her feet. Mind how you go now, dear heart, she said as she struggled to break free of his grasp. You've not even told me your name. He let out a roar of anger and threw her into a bookcase, sending several volumes tumbling from the shelves. The professor raised her arms in readiness for another attack and caught a book tumbling to the floor. She looked at the spine. Well, would you look at that, she marvelled. Shakespeare's sonnets. Now there's a man who knew how to introduce himself. On several occasions, I might add. The editor batted the book from her grasp. The professor watched it skid across the floor. Yes, well, I suppose not all of them were classics, but he was easily distracted. She ducked beneath the editor's swinging fist and careered across the room. Still, she said with her back to him, if literature's not your thing. She swung around and smashed the porcelain vase over his head. He dropped to his knees and keeled over, unconscious. There's always pottery. She knelt beside him and searched his pockets for a teleporter. There was none. Perhaps it was the imposter Bosie who had misplaced the one in the street after all. She gave up her search and took a metal orb from her pocket, identical to the one Astrid had been carrying. She placed it to her ear and squeezed it. Astrid, are you there? I'm here, Prof, came the reply. Have you nobbled him? No such luck, the professor replied. He's teleported away. I suspect he's going to try and disrupt an earlier point in Oscar's life. What do we do now, then? asked Astrid. Do everything you can to help the enforcers. Warn the task force when they arrive and try to keep the fighting away from the public. I'm going back to the ship. Wayland's somewhere in Oscar's timeline, and I'm going to find him. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier, From the Depths, an unbound theatre production written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson, with music by Kevin MacLeod.